Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good morning. I'm Michelle Martin, back after an extended absence, here to help you kick off the new year. Well, investors are certainly hoping that Asia-Pacific markets perform better in 2023 than they did in 2022. Joining me now as we break down all the market action, Ryan Huang, did I hear that your New Year's resolution was more me time? <laughs> more me time by mopping the floor once a week. So that gets me away from everyone. And I think it also helps me to just figure out where things are around the house, like, well, my kids' toys <laughs> under the sofa and under the table. That I leave my you know, belongings just missing where they are not supposed to be. So that sort of thing. That is hilarious. How about you, Michelle? Lucky wife is what I want to say to you, Ryan. Uh, for me, I think I'm going to be having more home parties. You know, I haven't been uh, back for a while and I've realized the joy of having people over. So more home mm. parties to come in 2023. Yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> All right, let's kick off uh, today with a look ahead at the year and perhaps no surprise there. But to do that, I think we need to first put 2022 in perspective. So the S&P 500 finished the year nearly 20% in the red. That is its worst performance since the global financial crisis of 2008. And tech stocks did even worse. The Nasdaq dropped 33% over the past 12 months. The market narrative last year started off bullish with investors thinking that the post-pandemic opening up would be good for stocks, but then concerns about inflation and raising interest rates, rising interest rates took over. And finally, recessionary fears came into view. So Ryan, as we begin 2023, it is not so clear who has the upper hand, the bulls or the bears. So I thought we'd take a look at both sides of the equation. Mm. What is the case for 2023 being another bearish year, Ryan? Yeah, there's never any shortage of bad news to get jittery about. And it's the familiar themes, the Ukraine war, that is still not resolved and we could be in for more twists and turns. We also have, like you talked about, rising costs of living and those cost pressures continuing to impact businesses. That's going to mean cost margins that will then reflect on the earnings picture. You also have the China reopening story that could also throw in a few surprises. Already, the transition period is going to mean some near-term pain at least as we see infection cases spike up as more people get around and about. And of course, leading up to the Lunar New Year break, we can expect more activity as people go back to the rural areas. And that could mean spreading there as well. So that could be in for a very well bearish year of sorts when it comes to what could play out on economic activity as well as for businesses. Now, while there have been some signs that inflation has peaked, rising prices are still very much an issue that central banks are going to be grappling with this year and their decisions about how much to raise rates. Becoming more difficult with the chances um, that rate hikes or rising rate hikes will lead to a bad recession. So I want to switch gears and perhaps channel more optimism now. What is the argument for this being a bullish year for stocks? Yeah, it is leaving a lot of market watchers rather divided. So on one hand, you have a lot of them saying, no, a lot of the bad news is already priced in. So that is one potential scenario that if you see or smell any whiff of good news, that is enough to drive markets higher. You also have the scenario where 
some of the economies may not be as bad as forecast in terms of the recession that everyone's been talking about. In fact, some people are saying there might not even be a recession when it comes to the US. So that is the bullish view of uh, how things are seen, how some people are seeing things, glass half full. And of course, um, mm. with the Fed, that is also a potential catalyst as well. Once they start pivoting, with so much already priced in in terms of those higher rates, if they start to reverse gear or change their tone, that could be enough to spark another round of buying in the stock markets. And one more thing to watch out for is what happens on the field of politics. When mm. we see how the um, US politics front has been playing out, we have domestically the Biden administration rather quite quiet in the past year. So they could be in um, finally to intervene, so to speak, in the market after uh, all the Fed uh, tightening measures have, have seen so many job cuts, especially in the tech sector. They may come in to say, hey, uh, we need to support the economy to some extent with fiscal measures. So that's something to look out for in terms of the policy front. And of course, maybe they could have more trade deals being done and maybe patch up with um, their China relationships. All those factors could be potential positive catalysts. Yeah, a lot to factor in. So which side do you think makes the better case, Ryan? The bulls or the bears? Uh, That's a tough one. I would lean towards the bullish picture because after Mm. such a tough few years with COVID-19 lockdowns, even though we might see some near-term headwinds, especially when it comes to China, the fundamentals for a recovery are starting to take shape because we have the revenge travel story playing out. People are just jumping on board planes despite the high prices, despite the rising prices, including me, myself. I'll be going on the trip soon. I'm sure you'll be as well in time to come. So that's going to be the picture, that recovery picture for the hospitality scene, jobs coming back into that um, industry as well. Um, and of course, in time to come, the rising cost pressures will be absorbed by the economy and for many businesses and it will then normalize to some extent. Mm, one of the most bullish forecasts for 2023 that I've seen comes from Deutsche Bank. Their chief U.S. equity and global strategist, Ban Kim Chada, thinks that the S&P 500 will gain 17% this year. However, he says it won't be smooth sailing all the way and he's predicting a big mid-year drop followed by an end-year rally. So lots there to chew on for you. Now let's bring the conversation to Singapore, Ryan. The Straits Times Index was actually one of the world's best-performing stock indices back in 2022. It rose 4% over the past 12 months. But if you bought in last January and then locked in your gains at the end of the first quarter, you would have done even better. At one point, the SDI was up more than 10%. So if we look ahead to 2023, Ryan, what are the main factors likely to influence Singapore stocks? Yeah, you got You've got a couple of things going for Singapore. Now, if you look back at the past year, Singapore benefited from being a safe haven of sorts with all the uncertainty. And you've seen investors just flocking to Singapore, which has a heavy weightage with the banks. So that is another story to watch as we see the rising interest rate environment benefit banks. So that is expected to see banks and, of course, the SDI among the top performers this year. Also, one to watch out for is Singapore benefiting from the China reopening story despite the initial headwinds with the rising number of cases. Once it reopens, it will benefit the wider economy, including Singapore, which is one of its... trading partners. So that's going to be one to watch out for. 
And if you look at what some of the market watchers are expecting, Singapore equities should be seeing some modest gains this year uh, as Asia and many economies within the region are expected to be more resilient relatively in the face of a possible global recession. The latest figures were just released this morning and Singapore's economy grew 3.8% in 2022. That's better than expected for the year. However, the economy only grew 2.2% in the last quarter and economists are forecasting an economic slowdown in the months ahead. Meanwhile, I'm sure you felt this. GST has gone up 8%. It's gone up to 8%, I should say. Can all take a deep breath in. I went for lunch yesterday. I had a bit of sticker shock. Uh, So is the GST increase going to dampen consumer spending or business investment? Or do analysts think that companies are going to be able to take this all in their stride, Ryan? What do you think? Yeah, so in some sense, it should be business as usual because people and businesses had a long time to plan for this. So this will be a phased-in hike as uh, we've expected from 7 to 8 and then in the following year, 8 to 9. And this very well-telegraphed move already we have seen many people for example stock up before the hike and then like most rate hikes we would then see in the past GST how you saw people buying and then slowing down their buying or purchases in the post hike days and month but then they start to come back again so I think that's a scenario we can expect again it won't significantly change how we do things it will be for most people um, taken in their stride. And of course, in Singapore, policymakers have rolled out a few measures to help the mm-hmm. lower income get by with vouchers, GST vouchers, and other um, measures as well to help cushion the blow. All right. Well, I got to narrow the frame. Overall, Ryan, what do you think? Will 2023 be a bullish or a bearish year for Singapore stocks? All right. I would go with a bullish year because I'm expecting banks to benefit quite well, especially with the Chinese reopening story, that means wealth management for banks could start to pick up. And of course, Singapore, I would say, being one of the safer destinations for investors, that will also see investor interest. And of course, the rising rate environment will benefit banks. So with the STI being so heavily weighted on that end, it will also mean the STI market index will be one of the beneficiaries. Well, I hope you're right, and I hope we see job growth as well this year here in Singapore. Now, switching gears to tech CEOs, they certainly have been the most prominent names in business. And until the past year, you might say they've been among the most revered, with many developing some huge followings, almost cult-like followings, right? 2022 was definitely not the year of tech. An article about this on The Guardian caught my eye, and it posed a question, who was the lousiest tech boss of 2022. Could it have been Mark Zuckerberg who changed Facebook's name to Meta only to see its share price tumble 65%? Or maybe it was Elon Musk whose erratic management of Twitter led netizens all over the world to ask him to step down as the company's CEO and a major shareholder in Singapore as well, leading that call. So a lot of names on that list, Ryan. What do you think? Who was the worst tech boss of 2022? Ooh, it's a close fight. <laughs> uh, you put out a few contenders. I would say among the list, uh, a couple worth highlighting, Mark Zuckerberg, you know, despite you know, 
putting Facebook or Meta on track for future growth, bear in mind future growth. Now, he <laughs> got quite a bit of flack because of the near-term headwinds. Investors were not happy with how things were playing out because it costs a lot of money to get on that so-called metaverse scenario of potential revenue driver. So this is something that's not really working out for him. And of course, he had to mm-hmm. fire 11,000 people. So not a good look for Facebook or Meta in the near term. Jeff Bezos seems to always be in the news mostly for the negative reasons um, because he probably needs a better PR team. Uh, so that is just um, seeing him among the list for not doing enough good. But I think he's trying to step up on that front. So I wouldn't put him high up on the lousy CEO list. Elon Musk is always in the news for, again, the wrong reasons. Um, he seems to have a knack for just making the news. And this year, or rather last year, he was really making the headlines every other week and almost every other day. So the latest has been around Twitter. He had to also fire a lot of people and then change things and pivot so much. But I would say right at the top of this for me would be Sam Bankman-Fried because he really caused so much pain for the crypto industry, which already was just reeling from a very tough year. And that Mm. could see it maybe possibly not recover in terms of regaining the trust for regulators, investors, retail crowd. No, it has left so much in its wake in terms of damage and no damages are still being counted. So that is going to be one that will still be felt this year in terms of the implications of the FTX bankruptcy. Now, one of them will be how that is going to be playing out in the sports world where FTX put his hand up to commit to multi-year contracts to sponsor these teams. Now these teams will be short of money on the um, sponsorship Mm. front. Yeah, SBF definitely Definitely high on my list as well. All right, Ryan, it's time for Up or Down. And listeners, in case you don't remember how we do this, I name a company or an item in the news and Ryan and I both try to figure out which way it's moving. Up or Down, are you ready, Ryan? Let's go. We're back to Elon Musk. He didn't top our list of uh, worst tech CEOs of 2022, but that doesn't mean he isn't still making news for all the wrong reasons. So what do you think as we kick off the new year? Are you going to give Elon an up or a down? Well, this is a tough one. It's a mixed bag, but I would go with up. No, even though I could say down as well. And it is around Tesla. It has sold a record 1.3 million vehicles last year. So it's a record, so I would give it to Tesla. But this falls short of his 50% growth pledge. It only grew 40%. Nice, nice one. Now, Elon Musk has set a new world record, and for that, I'm going to give him a down. He's become the world's first person to lose 200 billion US dollars. Two years ago, Musk became only the second person in the world to amass a fortune worth that much, and it continued to grow until Tesla's share price dropped 65% last year. And that drop erased 200 billion US dollars worth of wealth from Musk's account. Now, don't feel too sorry for him, though. Musk is still worth more than $135 billion, so a lot left in the bank. All right, Singapore Sovereign Wealth Fund, GIC, how's it doing? 
Hmm, I would go with up. And it is in the news for being the most active state-owned investor for the fourth year running. So really looking out for good mm. deals. It made 72 deals last year with 40.3 billion US dollars. That's up 17%. So really just being active when it comes to managing its monies. Indeed, for the fourth straight year, in fact, GIC, the world's most active sovereign wealth fund, GIC's 2022 total was 17% higher than in 2021. So in my books, an up for GIC. Uh, SPH REIT, or maybe I should say Paragon REIT, (laughs) Ryan. Yeah, it's a new day for what was previously named SPH REIT is now Paragon REIT, of course, named after one of its assets, Paragon Shopping Mall. So this today is going to mark a name change to better what they call reflect the trust's vision and mission to capture unique opportunities in the Asia-Pacific retail landscape. So Paragon, of course, has that um, other side to it, which is what they just described. So this will mean from 9am Singapore time um, on a trading uh, exchange, it will be known as Paragon Reed if you're looking for that counter. Indeed. In 2022, SPH, then SPH REITs units fell 10%. Cascaden Peak and the REITs unit holders have got to be hoping that this new name, Paragon REIT, will bring the Real Estate Investment Trust better fortune this year then last. All right, let's move on. The Business Times has put together a list of 10 local stocks to watch in the year ahead. These include UOB, SIA and AEM, just to name a few that are best known by their acronyms. We're not going to look at the whole list today. Uh, I thought we'd check in on the first company on their list, Semcorp Marine. It's in the midst of a mammoth merger with Keppel O&M. That deal was supposed to be completed last year, but will likely be finalized later this month. Uh, Ryan, is the merger the main reason that BT considers Semarine to be a stock to watch this year or are there other reasons as well? Yeah, we do have a couple of factors to digest when it comes to Sanford Marine, including how, uh, besides the merger, it also has a strong pipeline of jobs. Mm. So if you look at the order book, it is larger by nearly $20 billion. And this, of course, will build on the synergies between the potential merger of um, both entities, Capital O&M and San Marine, to make it a global O&M powerhouse. So that will then attract even more interest for things like renewables, new energy and cleaner O&M solutions, which is pretty much the in thing these days. So that is expected to help Sandport Marine back into the black faster rather than later. So all these factors, including uh, what they expect to be an improving um, industry outlook, is also going to help Sandport Marine. What do you think? What is your take on, on the company moving forward, Ryan? I would say it does have fundamentals being built for it to have long-term growth. So I would say it's going to be an up for me, Scott Marine and that capital M merger. But at the same time, in terms of upside for its stock price, it's already been you know, so long in the making. Probably a lot of the upside has been captured, at least in the near term. Semcorp Marine shares dropped more than 6% in December, but they are still up nearly 70% over the past year. Always great speaking with you, Ryan. Thanks very much for the great conversation. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. 
Available on Google Play or the App Store.